Now, if you would, would you pray for me uh, that everything I say would only be from God and nothing from me, and that you would hear what you need to hear. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're God and we aren't. Father, I pray for each person here, whether they're live or online, that they would hear your word and that we know that when your word goes out, it doesn't return void. So God, I pray that you would change our lives from the inside out. Do a work in our heart, God. I pray that everything I share is all you and nothing of me. In your name, amen. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Phil Rowe. I get the privilege and the honor to serve as an elder here at Christ Point. I also have the privilege of serving with our youth, our middle school and high school. And so today, we get to continue our series in the book of James. And so, have you ever played favorites? Have you ever shown someone special treatment to get something out of them? Sadly, I have. In fact, I caught myself here recently doing that. So as I said, I get the opportunity to help lead our student ministry. Uh, it's grown. Uh, God continues to bless it. Over the last year, we've gone from 30 students to 50 students. So as our student ministry grows, we also want to continue to grow our leadership. And so I'm always on the lookout for individuals who I think might be a good fit. For example, we're looking for two ladies and two men to join our student ministry this summer. So if you're interested, talk to me. But what I've found, though, is that over the last few weeks, I've found myself walking by some people to get to others to talk to them about student ministry. Now, it's not wrong to prayerfully move towards investing in new leaders, but I caught myself asking this question, who do I gravitate towards? In my pursuit of finding new leaders, am I missing opportunities to see people God's placed right in front of me. So I can play favorites. I don't think I'm the only one. Bad news, we all have, and we all do, right? Um, there are certain people we want to know. Uh, there are certain people whom we want to make sure know us. There are circles we want to run in and people we want to run with, right? Uh, this isn't only true in business or our neighborhoods. It can also be true in the church. So we're tempted to favor some people over others. So James warns us about this, and he shows us another way of life, a life free from playing favorite. He does this in James 2, 1 to 13. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there now. Uh, so we're continuing our series in James. Uh, James, um, the book of James was written by James. Not James Metzger. James, Jesus' brother. Uh, the book of James isn't about becoming a Christian. Uh, the book of James is about acting like a Christian. Today we're looking at James 2, 1 to 13. So you can follow along on the screen, or you can go to the Uversion app. You can click the Events tab and select Christ Point Church, and there you'll find some notes from the day. So read with me as we read James 2. 1 to 13. James says, My brothers, 
show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and five clothing comes into our assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the, the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you, re- if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing a sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So at Christ's point, our purpose is to point people to Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is by encountering the life-transforming power of the Word of God. And we believe that God's Word is active. It's alive. It's sharper than two-edged sword. It can change us. And it will change us. So it will transform our lives. And so we're going to make some observations today. We're going to make some application. And then I've got a challenge for all of us at the end. So big picture we see James giving a command in verse 1 of don't show partiality. He gives us a clear example of what he's talking about. Then after showing us what not to do, he shows us what to do. So James gives us a command, what not to do, and what to do. So first, the command. You see it right there in James 2, verse 1. James says, show no partiality. In other words, don't play favorites. James starts off with a command to to show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James says, my brothers, so he's referring to fellow believers. So, first question is, what does partiality mean? It's not a word we commonly use. New Testament scholar Doug Moo writes that the word partiality or favoritism in the original language of the New Testament, literally means to receive according to the face. In other words, to make judgments about people based on their external appearance. So, James is talking to fellow believers in the church, and he's telling them not to judge people based on their external appearance. Have you ever done that? Did mom ever tell you not to judge a book by its cover? It means to judge others based on their appearance. I have to admit, when I read this, I thought to myself, but didn't Jesus show some partiality with his disciples? He had 12 disciples, but then he had his three closest disciples, 
The three were not any more valuable than others. However, Jesus in his humanity, he invested in certain people. But one thing we notice is that Jesus spent time with people and loved people that others didn't. Right? So remember the woman at the well, Zacchaeus and his thief buddies, the unclean lepers, prostitutes, and many more. Jesus didn't come to be served, but Jesus came to serve. Jesus came for the lost. He came for you and I. He had a posture towards people. Jesus, he didn't look at the outward appearance of others. He looked at their heart. He looked at their heart. So what does it look like for us to move like Jesus? We're finite with limited time and energy. We can't do that with everyone, but what if, what if, Christ's point, we did that with one? We can't save the world, but we can invest in one. Jesus isn't saying that there won't be certain people we invest in and pour our lives into. But Jesus does warn us against paying special attention to some and ignoring others. So James goes on to say, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So playing favorites may be common in the world, but it shouldn't be common in the church. As followers of Jesus, we're called to treat people, each person, regardless of who they are, with dignity, honor, and respect. James gives us a command, and then he illustrates it. So look here in James 2. James writes, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into our assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here. In a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or you sit at my feet. Have you not made other distinction, made distinctions among yourselves and judge, become judges with evil thoughts? So in other words, don't welcome Tom Brady and ignore Tom Kipp. So imagine we're sitting here on Sunday morning at the barn, and right through those back doors, you can imagine... Tom Brady comes and sits right next to you on your right. The GOAT, seven-time Super Bowl champ, sits right beside you. What's your reaction? Some of us may be frozen. They're like, I can't talk to him. Tom Brady. Others might be like, all right, selfie time. All right? The lines will be long, right? People like, the attention will be, Tom, there's Tom Brady. So, but he's a big deal, right? People know him. He's won seven Super Bowls. He's the GOAT. Now, Tom Brady's sitting on your right. Imagine now Tom Kipp comes through the door and sits on your left. Do you even notice Tom sit down? Tom hasn't won seven Super Bowls. He's not as famous and as wealthy as Brady. He's just Tom Kipp. Tom Kipp is a big deal, but he's not Tom Brady. He's a good Tom, but he's not the GOAT Tom from a football standpoint. But hear, hear this. I'd rather see Tom Kipp because I don't want to miss out on others by showing favoritism. So we're tempted to show favoritism to the famous to the affluent, to the influential, to the wealthy, 
to the good looking, to the clean. The list goes on and on. We're tempted to do that. And the flip side is we're tempted to ignore the messy, the poor, the insignificant, the not like me, the hard to talk to people. So you got to ask yourself, why is that? Why am I tempted to favor some and ignore others? Our temptation can be given to give value. We can give value and worth to people based on someone's perceived importance and significance. And furthermore, our hearts can be selfish, right? We are selfish individuals. We chase success. We use we usually want something in return, don't we? Does that sound familiar? The rich person can benefit me, maybe my career. If they stay at church, they can maybe give more money to our church. Hey, their status could influence more people to come here. Maybe they could be a church leader one day. We think the poor and the messy aren't like us and don't have anything to offer, so we ignore them. Hey, we don't have special seats here at Christ Point. We used to have all wooden chairs and a few cushioned ones over here. Remember that? But you could sit anywhere you wanted. You could sit anywhere you wanted. We don't raise our leaders based on their bank accounts. Our elder board isn't made up of the most successful and affluent and wealthy. But Christ's point, are we, are you tempted to pay special attention to those who come in looking better than those who don't? Do we gravitate towards certain people while neglecting those who are different? Good question. So let's go back to school. Anyone remember this? Little cafeteria. Remember the lunchroom? The tables? You sit down on the tables. You have the little stools. Imagine you're by yourself. You walk into the lunchroom. You see two tables. One table are people that look just like you. They think like you. They act like you. They smell like you. They're like you, right? The other table are people not like you. What do you do instinctively? What do you do? You gravitate to the ones that look like you, right? We gravitate that way. But why? Why do we do that? Why do we gravitate to the ones that look like us and neglect the ones who don't look like us. Well, not to oversimplify it, but it goes something like this. One group is like me, one isn't. The group like me is safer, more comfortable, and more comfort means more to gain. So at the speed of thought, we're drawn to the ones who are like us, right? Now, Flip it. Flip it. The opposite goes something like this. One group isn't like me, therefore isn't that safe, which means no comfort and nothing to gain. James says, don't think like that and don't act like that. James shows us another way to live in what can seem like an upside-down kingdom. So look at what James says. James says, listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Did you see that? 
So we're commanded to show no partiality. James gives us a negative picture of what that looks like. Don't show partiality to certain people and ignore others. And then he gives us the reason why. Look at the rest of the text. He says, so listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Watch this. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Here the example James gives is showing partiality to the rich over the poor. Don't show partiality to the influential and those who are significant in the world's eyes because in the upside-down kingdom of God, the poor may be the ones who are really rich. So you remember the undercover boss? Remember this show? Yeah. So imagine this picture. you got a company owner who puts on a fake mustache, right, fake mustache and begins stocking shelves and doing this dirty work and grunt work. People have no clue he's the owner, no clue he's filthy rich. So what do they do? Do they talk to him a lot? No, they don't pay any attention. He's a stock boy. They thought he was poor. But when it's revealed that he's the company owner and wealthy, everyone's attitude changes. Remember that? Everyone's like, oh, I should have treated him nicer, or I should have gotten on his good side. If they had only known he was the boss, they would have treated him differently. Is that right? No. But why is that? What, if there's a heart issue there. There's a reason why we treat some better than others and ignore others. And it's a sin issue. So Jesus says in Matthew 3 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I love this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Luke says in Luke 1.53, he says, He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The upside-down kingdom. And then in 2 Corinthians 8.9, listen to this carefully. Paul says this, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, remember, Jesus was rich. Everything was created through him. Though he was rich, for your sake, He became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Think about that. Jesus was rich. He became poor so that we could become rich. He was a poor kid. He was dragged through court, suffered and died, sins for us, died, but then he rose again. What a gift. So there's been a story that's been circulating uh, over the years that that this pastor gave as an illustration showing favoritism. You may have heard it. Uh, new pastor comes to a church, but before he even met his people, he dressed up as a homeless guy. Probably didn't take a shower for a week or two. He really stunk, right? He looked the part. And he showed up to his different locations. And he just sat there. And he, wa- he wanted to see how his body, how, does, how would they treat the homeless guy, right? And so it was interesting like, like, how would you treat a homeless guy? And so, it's funny, then the next Sunday, he rolls in as this homeless guy, and he walks up to the pulpit as a homeless guy, 
And then he undresses, takes his, his costume off and introduces himself as their new pastor. Think about that. What do you think their reaction was? How do you think the church did? Right, some passed this guy by. But I think others reached out. Christ's point, how would we do? How would we do if that same situation faced us? Because it does every day, whether it's a church or wherever else. So what does it look like for us? How do we move and live this out? We know that we're not to play favorites. We've seen that uh, what we're not to do, don't welcome Tom Brady and ignore Tom Kipp. Don't favor the rich or the poor, over the poor. We know what not to do, but what should we do? So James shows us. He says, if you really, if you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. And students, this past semester we talked about love and what that love is. And love was sacrificial. So we talked about loving like different people in our lives. Uh, the royal law in Leviticus 19.18 says, love your neighbor as yourself. James isn't talking about the, Levit- the Levitical laws and the moral codes. He's talking about the laws understood as the commands God ultimately gave that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The law is summed up in the two greatest commandments. What a love God and love your neighbor. In Leviticus 19, 15 to 18, God said, Be just and don't show favoritism. Instead, love your neighbor as yourself. Likewise, Jesus said in his Gospels to love your neighbor as yourself. Now James comes on the scene and says, If you keep the, the royal law, the whole thing, but if you show favoritism and thus disobey the law, you're a lawbreaker and a sinner. Bottom line is, favoritism is a sin. So instead, love your neighbor as yourself and fulfill the royal law. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus gives us a really good picture of what it looks like to love your neighbor. But we're tempted to set the bar low so we can clear it. But James teaches us that if we break just one point, we're guilty. James says, but if you show favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So it's impossible, apart from God, to fulfill the law. It's impossible. But we're called to fulfill the law and love our neighbors. So how do we do it? James continues. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we should view people, and this is, this is really important. We should view people in two camps regardless of their wealth or socioeconomic status, as people either united with Jesus because Jesus lives them in them 
and has rescued them. So those who are saved or those who are lost, who are non-Christians, but Jesus created them. He loves them. He desires to know them. They're either saved or not saved. We should love our neighbors. Our neighbors, everyone, not just some. Love everyone. Love others like Jesus loves them and sees them. Set aside the standards of the world and see one another through the eyes of Jesus. So you're like, all right, so what are some practical ways? What are some practical ways I can love my neighbor in my relationships? So I love to run. I may not look like it, but I like to run. And I don't run very fast. I don't run as fast as Doc Shear. You know, he, he holds a state record. I, I, I run about four miles, about 11-minute miles. So every Friday when I run, I love running on Fridays because what happens on Friday with music, Apple Music? They drop some new music, right? They drop new music on Friday, so I like to listen to new music. And so, and I toggle between Christian music and country music. And so, a few months ago, I was uh, running, and the first song I heard, I put it on repeat. And I listened to it that long 44 minutes, right? So I listened to it a lot. Um, so, this guy, I don't know if, have you ever heard of Walker Hayes, a little country, country artist? Um, songwriter, singer-songwriter, um, he, he wrote a song named Craig. And, uh, and this is before he became a Christian. He was a non-believer. Um, he's married. He's got six kids. Um, but his, his daily routine was he would go and drink all day, write a song, and then go home. And then go drink all day, write a song, do gigs at night. And so he was, he was lost. His, 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 his wife, she loved Jesus. But they just given up on church. Well, his wife met um, a, a friend at a, one of the kids' sporting events, and they invited him to church. And so reluctantly, Walker uh, went with his family on a Saturday night church, but he went drunk. And um, so you're wondering, why am I telling this? Like, think about this. Like, we're like, what does it look like to love someone? So if someone comes into church drunk with their kids, they come in late. Small church. Well, at church, a man named Craig came up and just greeted Walker. And the only thing he said to him was, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. He didn't overlook him. And so um, I'm going to sit down for a second. I'm going to let you guys listen to the song and watch the lyrics. And as you, I, I want you to do the little heart with like, Think about this. Like, What does it look like to love your neighbor? Like, This guy didn't look like. Craig, right? Walker, he was drunk. He, he didn't look, but he took time to just engage him, right? What does it look like to love your neighbor? And so we'll play the song and watch the lyrics. On that crag of the church, called Redeeming Grace. It's like he understood my I don't wanna be here face. I didn't bow my head, not one single prayer, but he just shook my hand, said I'm glad you're here. He says we'll all be judged, but he was never judgmental. And even though my songs, they don't belong in no hymnal. He called me my lyrics, slapped me on the back, said man you got a gift, how you write like that? Yeah I know, it sounds cool right? Not the typical kid from Sunday school right? I still ain't figured out church yet, but Craig. I get 
so now he can't walk on water. Turn it out for Valley Ridge But it just might be tight With a man that is Now he ain't the light of the world But I wish I was brighter Yeah, he just might be tight With a man that is Record deal, y'all the perks fade fast. Dealership said we're gonna need to get that minivan back. So we were down on one car and broke as I felt. Had my wife and six kids and only five people. So I needed help, but I couldn't admit I was struggling. I said, Craig, it's all good, but he knew it all wasn't. I hey man, I'm praying for you. Would have been sufficient, but nah. He took roadside assistance to a whole nother level. To sacrificial heights. Showed up at the ballpark after my son's game. One night in two cars with his wife, Laura. I watched it from the other. So what in the world are y'all doing here, brother? He just laughed beside that old Christ of town and country man With the keys and the title and a pen in his hands to man All you gotta do is sign on this yard I said, nah, no way But he wasn't tight enough for an answer He said, please, dude Somebody did this for me once Just let me do this for you We argued about it for a little while Then I teared up And Craig smiled So now he can't walk on water But turn the just might be tight with a man that did. Now he ain't the light of the world, but I wish I was brighter Yeah, just might be tight with a man that did. Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? I still ain't figured out church yet. But Craig, I get it. So now he can't walk on water. I'm Quickly grateful at the moment But I signed the dotted line I drove the kids home And when a cop pulled up beside us At the light They didn't have to duck Cause thanks to Craig They were all buckled up How about that? How about that? Do you, you see it now a little bit? Loving your neighbor Is going to look a little different For each person Right? So It's one thing to hear it and then, oh, that was really interesting. But we got to do something about it. So remember at the beginning, I was like, hey, we're going to do some observations, some application. Now i got a challenge for you. And so here's my challenge, right? It's threefold. It's threefold. Um, I want you to admit, to ask, and to act. So the first thing is we all have to admit that we play favorites. We have played favorites. We do play favorites. We have to be honest with ourselves. Uh, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, right? And so, for example, students, if you find yourself at school identifying the cool kid or the girl or the guy that everyone wants to be friends with and you find yourself sort of gravitating towards them, and as you're gravitating towards them, 
you're pushing others to the side because you want that relationship with that cool kid or that guy or that girl. Probably need to confess that because you're playing favorites probably, right? Or say you're at church students and you find yourself gravitating towards your buddies and you're missing other people, right? Confess that, right? You're walking by people. Guys, if you find yourself at work uh, pushing people aside that may be lower on the ladder, totem pole, because they're like, hey, they can't help me get to where I need to go or I think I need to go, right? You may need to confess that. Um, women, moms, if you find yourself gravitating towards women who seem to have arrived or are significant or important or loved at the cost of ignoring someone that comes across a little more needy, a little more messy, you probably need to confess that and admit it. Um, so the first thing is we have to do, we have to first admit that we, we sin. We have to call balls and strikes. So that's the first thing, admit. The second thing is ask. And ask yourself, why is that? And this is probably the hardest. And once you admit that you're a sinner, and, and we all do this, then it's like, all right, so what's the root? What's in my heart? Why do I chase these people and not these, right? Why am I ignoring these people? What's, what's in it? Why is that? Ask God to open your eyes to what that is, what the root of that is. So you've got to admit that you sin, you play favorites, ask yourself, why is that? And then, as Brandon said, like, dream on three, dream it, do it, right? You've got to do it. You've got to do something about it. So who is that, like, maybe one person in your life that maybe they're in your path, they, they, push, they come towards you, but then you're like, uh... That's a little messy. I don't want to sort of walk by them and get to someone else. So you don't have to do it with everyone, but like who's that one person? Like what could you do? What's the one thing you could do? And so admit your play favorites. Ask yourself why. And then we got to do something about it. Because James 4, 17 says, so whatever, like whoever knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, for him it is sin. So we're going to take a few minutes, and I want you guys to do some heart work, us to all do some heart work, and just wrestle with this. And our prayer is that God reveals to you what you need to admit, what, you, what the root of that is, and then acting about it. If it's bandaging the broken, washing filthy feet, here I am, Lord, send me. If it's loving one another, even when we don't agree, here I am, Lord, send me. I will choose to praise here. 
understanding If I'm known by how I love Did my life reflect how much That I loved you I love you And before you even ask Oh my answer will be yes Cause I love you Oh I love you like an arrow I'll say it anyway Cause here I am Lord send me if this Lord rejects me Lord I will still obey Cause here I am Lord send me if I'm known by how I love Let my life reflect how much that I love you, I love you. And before you even ask, tell my answer will be yes, cause I love you, oh I love you. Standing in your glory, I'm glad I chose to say, Here I am, Lord, send me well done, good and faithful. I live to hear you say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Well done, good and faithful, live to hear you say, here I am, Lord, send me. Alright guys, if you would stand and uh, worship with us, we close our final worship song. Um, thank you, Phil, for bringing that word today. Um now, I was reminded while I was sitting there that uh, you guys are all good people. I know most of you, and you guys have good hearts, and I know that. And uh, I was thinking about how I used to watch my parents and my grandparents serve in soup kitchens. So I felt like I was raised to uh, look out for the needy and look out for the poor. And uh, as Phil was talking, I was sitting there thinking, man, there's another side to this story that Jesus is talking about. Is that as much as he's referencing the poor, is he really keeps saying, he goes, love all people. And I think I'm the opposite. I find myself guilty is that I, I seek out those that are in need. But if I was really honest, um, I seek out those that have less than me, right? Those that I would perceive that are, are lower than me in some stature, status, um, influence, you know, financial. And, uh, man, we all need Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd say if you see a guy walk into a room and he is dressed to the nines, don't not talk to him, too. He, he may be one of the loneliest guys in the room. <laughs>